general nerdery. We interrupt this regularly scheduled podcast for some breaking news. When you're 30, it turns out you don't have much time in life, and we didn't have time to film a full episode this time. That's right. This isn't even breaking news, technically. Because we're still recording again in two days, so I'm saving some of that, some news, for Monday. Uh, so, yep, hi guys, it's your Generals of Nerdery, this is General Nerdery, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And as I was saying, uh, life is hectic, we didn't have time for a full episode this week, we apologize, but we will, we still wanted to get you something, so we still have news and recommendations for you this week. Alright, so this is the news, if we would have recorded at our normal time, that we would have had a chance to talk about. Yeah. And then we'll keep... The rest of it for, I think we're still going to end up with a bit to talk about. Yeah, you, Some of this people is, listening, other than we, it'll be a short episode, this will be I mean, we'll see how short it ends up being. <laughs> I'm saying short with air quotes because we can't stop talking for less than an hour. I'm, I mostly want to bring this one up because I can't remember if we had talked about it before, uh, but because they keep dropping more artwork and stuff in anticipation of the new season. The new season of Castlevania is coming out soon. I heard it was coming out. Uh, how many episodes is it this time? I don't know. Okay. All I know is Warren Ellis is still writing it. Then it will be fine. I have been reading Warren Ellis since I was in high school. It is very, very rare that I've been disappointed. And even then I've been like, well, this was good. I just... Not for me good. I... I kind of love the games in a weird way. And so I'm, I'm super excited that we're getting another season because I've loved the two seasons we've already gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only gave them a chance because of how much I loved the games, but I only ever played like two of the games. I would just, whenever a game would come out, I loved the Castlevania lore so much that I would then go and read the story on Wikipedia like 15 ah, times. So it's like what I do with Fallout because I don't have access to those as a Nintendo player. Yeah, and so I'd just be like, oh, what happened in this one? And I'd reread it like 15 times and then maybe go check out a cutscene or two or some gameplay. And So this is just crack for you is what you're telling oh, me. Oh, yeah, fucking oh. I love Castlevania. <laughs> you give me, like, badass Dracula and Alucard being his son and all sorts Art of fun shit. Art style is kind of Vampire Hunter D bloodlusty. Like, yeah, no, it's, and it's great, man. you're killing him with an awesome whip. Like, whips are awesome, so... Fantasy whips are awesome. <laughs> whips in real life. Uh, play, Don't do all of that. <laughs> playing D&D, my buddy Malark, the guy I'm on the other mm-hmm. podcast with, uh, Art of Wargaming, you should listen to it, but uh, made a, a bard with a whip and just used trip on every character, and it just made the most broken team setup because the bard, who was really fast, would like trip them up with the whip, and then the rest of the party would run up and just... like kick him to the curb uh you know what i had one that i was going to bring up i think i'm just going to bring it up monday instead because there's been additions to this news so. stay tuned for that breaking news Never mind. we'll have extra witcher news next week but i'm just going to skip that one for now i think mulan the upcoming live action adaptation it of comes the out Disney. real soon i want to super say. soon official it's got its rating it's the first of the Disney live actions to be PG-13. Anything less would be kind of hard, I think, with live action. That makes me a lot more excited to see it. I thought that maybe that they would still restrain them to a PG like they've been doing the, the rest of the live actions. Mulan is the first one of these Disney live actions that I've been really tempted to see in a while. I don't think I've seen any since Jungle Book, which was good. I enjoyed it. Like, I'm not... I know some people really hate these. I don't hate them. I don't love them. They're fine. I'm not opposed to watching any of them. Mulan is the first one that I want to go watch. Mulan is the one... When they first started announcing that they were going to be doing these live-action remakes... Also, very big air quotes, live-action, because I went to The Lion King. That shit's not live-action. It's still CG. None of that is (laughs) live-action. So Live-action. When they first started... like announced that they were going to be doing this shit i was like oh cool i'm going to get to see live action mulan because i fucking love mulan i don't care that it does apparently doesn't have much of the songs or anything because 
The story's fucking killer. Yeah, I hear they're not even trying to use the Eddie Murphy character, which actually gives me more trust in this because instead of we're remaking one of our old movies that was already really good, the story of Fa Mulan has so much you can do with it that you can tell a completely different Mulan story and and still have a good, complete story there. Yeah, I'm... Also... I love medieval era clothing or ancient history clothing, and this is just going to be full of gorgeous armors. I was going to say, this is just going to be like costume porn oh, for me, right? Oh, it's porn for me. Yep, it is mm, right in my special spot. <laughs> so right before we started this, we watched a trailer. Amazing mm. stories, you said right. it was I had never heard of the series before, like so, five minutes ago. Uh, Amazing Stories was a 1985 uh, anthology series, uh, sort of was right in between like an Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, uh, but a little bit more towards the sci-fi side. And you said it was Steven Spielberg. And this one's being done by Apple TV, and they paid Steven Spielberg a shit ton of money to produce it. It seems like it's, according to that trailer, it's going to be five stories, anthology, one and done's. It looked like real fun sci-fi to me, which is, that's what I'm excited for, I guess, with this, is sci-fi needs to be fun sometimes, too, and we get a lot of dark sci-fi, so. Spielberg was always really good at that, and then in the last few years, he's kind of just gone into, like, I'm going to make adaptations of things, which I don't tend to like. Hmm. I, I don't like Spielberg's adaptations. I think the rest of his work tends to be really good. But uh, in in the 80s and 90s, when he was doing this, he was so good at, like, fun whimsical science fiction fantasy story so i'm excited to see stuff of that style that he's curating right uh he is only producing right he is producing uh that always is kind of vague for how much level of involvement he actually has but i mean the stories looked fun the super grandpa looks fun yeah and i saw spaceships and everything that makes me happy about it like Amazing Stories would have been, you said 1985, that would have been around, like, Goonies era, Mm -hmm. originally, yeah? Yeah, that was such a fun period of time for Spielberg. Wes Ball says that the new Planet of the Apes movie that he's on will honor Caesar's legacy from this past Fox trilogy. Okay. I have several questions here, because I know nothing about Planet of the Apes. Okay, that's what I was about to ask, what your history with apes was. Uh, I have seen the bad Tim Curry, not Tim Curry, Tim Burton. Tim Burton one. It was bad. I didn't yeah, want it to no, be bad. But even bad. when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I was really excited for this, and I'm not enjoying myself here. Uh, so okay, so first, who is Wes? Uh, Wes Ball Wes did. Ball? Uh, he was the director of the Maze Runner series. Uh, he was going to be directing. Uh, an adaptation of Mouse Guard, but that got scrapped in the Fox Disney merger. But Mouse Guard cannot catch a break when it comes to adaptations. But he kept a job; it just wasn't on Mouse Guard at that point. They moved him over and and tapped him to do a new Planet of the Apes. Cool. I have never seen the Maze Runner stuff, so me either. Good job, guy. I'm, yeah. Uh, it and you. So it's not a continuation of the previous trilogy, but it'll like. That's his wording is still really vague, but it seems like he's a really big fan of that trilogy. That trilogy was kind of setting up the original movies anyway. Yeah, it was base. It was more about how the apes took over rather than ending up in the future, and so he could conceivably reboot the original trilogy in this same timeline as the Fox trilogy with the appropriate changes is kind of what I'm thinking. And that would honor Caesar's legacy. Yeah. You could do it, you know, well after the apes have taken over the world and are wearing human clothes and all the stuff that was fun about the imagery of the original. You don't necessarily have to do the time traveler story. I'd actually say don't cause you won't be able to replicate that. Well, that was like, that's already been set up. If he does keep it within the same universe, mm-hmm. um, in the first of the Matt, was it, did Matt Reeves do the entire one I trilogy, do not know. or did he not do the first one? I can't remember. Anyway, and I never remember which one's first is uh, whether it's Dawn or Rise. 
both of those names indicate first. Right? The one with James Franco in it. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember its name. I used to have a fucking poster of it up, but it's no longer here, so that doesn't mm. help me anymore. If you pay attention to the news reports in the background, the uh, the spaceship goes missing that appears in the original time. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, just what I mean is, like, what was so revolutionary about Planet of the Apes, that, that spin at the end that it turns out it's uh, Earth in the future, not a different planet like he thought. You will never be able to replicate that moment and the surprise and, like, iconicness of that moment does that I would almost rather they didn't even try. I hope I'm remembering this right, but if they wanted to still try for a spin, uh, the original Planet of Apes was based off of a book. I Uh, did not know that. It was based off of a French novel. I have read the adaptation, or the uh, translation. Yeah. I was 14 when I read the translation, so I'm not sure how well I'm remembering the ending. That's fair. But the ending in that also had a twist, and it wasn't the same twist. It wasn't he rides up on the, the Statue of Liberty it, the and is all like, uh, there is a framing device to the story of these parents telling a story to their child to get the child to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And at, when you get to the very end of all the events and stuff, the kid looks up and is like, that's not real though, right? Humans can't talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember they tried to do a different twist at the end of the Tim Burton one. And like, Oh, where he shows back time where apes are still in control. Yeah. And you have, um, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And it was like the evil general ape. And it was a bad twist. Again, that movie was sorry, Tim Burton. I don't hate you, but that movie was just bad. So I think that twist might've been done by Kevin Smith first. I think that shows up in chasing dogma. That's right, because he made fun of that, because Tim Burton doesn't like Kevin Smith, so he's like, well, stop stealing my shit then. <laughs> um, but it's a lot more for, like, a, you know, clerk's gag, it works better than at the end of a giant, Actual. big budget movie. Like, I saw that movie in theaters, because I love Planet of the Apes. I don't think Dad would take me, because he did not like the original Planet of the Apes, but I don't remember. I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I don't remember why. I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, me and me and the apes go back. Yeah. Uh, the Adventures of Barry Wean Boy Genius has a great one about people loving apes and like why we all love apes. And it came out around the time of that Planet of the Apes movie. So I, I think of that every time. Kid, there is something about apes that kids are fascinated by. Well, and they used to do a ton of marathons of the Planet of the Apes movies on like TNT and TBS. And I would... That was old school binge watching. If you caught a marathon on, oh yeah, you weren't going anywhere, and you were going to know every commercial in their rotation by the second movie. That's right, but god damn, those apes movies get so fucking corny, but so fun. They and go you... off the rails, and they started off the rails. <laughs> um, this one was just kind of neat. I thought, especially because so many different interesting projects, especially like indie game development and. Uh, different independent artistic endeavors are funded through it these days, but uh, Kickstarter employees have voted to unionize. Cool. More unions. Sorry if you didn't want politics here, but more unions. Just, that's good. Yeah. I just So the, the reason I really wanted to bring it up and be why it's a, a good story that crosses overarching into nerddom and geekdom is that will make it... Uh, one of the first uh, tech worker unions, Ooh. which sets precedent for more, which will hopefully help eliminate like a lot of crunch problems. culture right. in game development and all sorts of other things. There's a lot of not good treating of employees. Yeah, the, throughout the tech of... world, the world that does all of the movies and TV shows and video games and all the nerd shit we love, including comic books, even though that's not really tech honestly tends to have really terrible business practices so please yeah letting the employees help like help themselves fight for themselves we will get better product if we could get rid of the like work yourself to the bone and wear out culture that is in so much of well everything to be honest with you but particularly in like media so hopefully this is the start of 
more to come, but if nothing else, good for them. Good job, Kickstarter. Employees, um, probably not actual Kickstarter. He's probably pissed. Yeah, they were being accused of doing trying some union-busting efforts and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So. That does not surprise me. Did you play any of the Borderlands movies? Or not movies, video games? I played the first and the second one, and I don't think I ever finished either of them because I didn't own the 360. Oh, okay. And when my roommate moved out, I lost access. Uh, how do you... <laughs> I know the answer to this, but how do you feel about the movie Hostel? Hostel, like the torture porn? Yes. Oh, God, I hate that movie. It's one of the few, like, torture porn movies that I've actually seen because I didn't have a choice. It was everywhere when it first yeah. came out. I it, it was what made me be like, I'm never watching one of these movies again. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, I'm not... <laughs> I do a horror podcast. I'm not the biggest fan of Hostel. So, uh, Eli Roth of fame for making Hostel. He's done other stuff too. Cabin Fever. Uh, he's the bear June in Glorious Bastards. Um, he like anything he does recently for AMC did a really good, uh, documentary series on the history of horror that I highly recommend. It's actually really super well done. Uh, the dude is also like, if you watch interviews with him, I'm so happy for him. Cause he's just like a nerd that did good. Yeah. He's just a giant fan of everything. And... I, I don't like anything he's ever done. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things around his name though. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. Uh, he has been tapped by Lionsgate to direct a Borderlands movie. I feel absolutely zero need for a Borderlands movie. <laughs> like, uh, written by... at all. Uh, written by one of the writers of Chernobyl, which I haven't watched yet, but I've heard nothing but amazing, amazing things about. I hear it's amazing. None of this feels like a Borderlands. I mean, maybe that guy writes some really good comedy, but like... Right, because Borderlands that's... is nothing like Hostel or Chernobyl. No, it has Warriors to have Masters. a lot like, of comedy in there. Um, I would love a, like, Tales of the Borderlands animated series. Oh, fuck. That's what they need to do. You could do... You could do that style. You could get that feel. The, the like, good, you know, uh, what is it, Cage the Elephant? Yeah. song, like, that kind of feel of music. Uh, basically just crib the art style from the video games directly. Mm-hmm. And give me that kind of world i'd be super in i love the world of borderlands i was slightly excited for this i am now like 10 times more excited for what you just said <laughs> even, even though it's not happening uh the borderlands should be animated borderlands you're going to get is, the most out of that ip by animating it is it. one of those it is such a distinctive style that it will throw me if it's not that cell shaded yeah I also you could do it you would do it better in animation. Uh, we also kind of already have a pseudo-Borderlands movie. It's uh, it's called Doomsday by Neil Marshall. I know not many people saw that movie. I've, I've not heard of it even, so... I fucking love that movie. And like the middle third of it, the second act, is super fucking Borderlands-y. It's awesome. a little bit darker. It's like Borderlands meets Escape from New York. Alright, that's fine. Um, I I really like Borderlands. It's always been on my list of games I'd love to finish one day mm -hmm. if I ever end up with a system that won't explode. If I like, I have a laptop held together by duct tape and a Nintendo Switch. Only one of those will play it, and I'm pretty sure it would actually set a house fire if I tried to. Like, um... <laughs> oh, yeah. I I at some point should play the new one. I didn't play much one, but I played a shit ton of two. Two was a significant step up. One was still good. I yeah, still one really was fun. enjoyed it. But uh, a lot like Diablo 2, which I'm realizing dates me, considering I was talking to someone at work, and they're like, that game came out before I was born, and I just died. But uh, uh, that same style of game of, they were like, okay, we figured out what, we made the thing in the first one, and then we figured out how to make it good in the second one. On the On the gaming theme... Uh, Xbox has released some of the specs for the Xbox Series X. They will mean nothing to me. You know, honestly, they mean almost nothing to me as well. There's literally one thing that I can pick out that... Or two things, I guess, that I can pick out that make me really happy. 
there's a quick resume for multiple games, so you can just pause and keep multiple games suspended at the same time and just pick them back up on the fly. No loading screens. Um, part of me loves that. Part of me feels like that's not going to work nearly as well as they're saying it will work. I like that it it's an option. I have a feeling as soon as I use it, I'm just going to end up with a game that I just that's saved that I don't go back to for months and months and months and months and months and months and months. Yeah, I feel like I'd get stressed. You know, what if my game shuts off anyways, and I would just save it anyways? So at that point, what the hell? Like a loading screen is not that bad on the scale of things. It's usually like what thirty seconds. Yeah, all the all the stats are obviously way better than current gen. Oh, of course. The one, the stat that I like is they're upping the frames per second to a maximum, it looks like, of uh, 120 frames per second. The biggest reason why I am happy for that is because that increases the chances of uh, cross-play between platforms, specifically between Xbox and PC. I really don't care if I play with PlayStation users or not. Uh, I know <laughs> but a I lot think... of people that'd be very happy about more cross-platform gaming i mm. noticed that as as the video like the base age for video game players gets older not that like there's not a ton of young players but mm-hmm. we just we're like well we can't afford all four of them anymore so you better let me be able to play with my buddy who mm-hmm. only was able to afford the playstation and i was only able to afford the xbox right or the whatever computer or the mm-hmm. yeah now, if Nintendo could catch up with some of those, like, I am a hardcore Nintendo fan. I will buy a Switch all the frickin' time. Love that system. But there are a few games that people are like, oh, you should play this with me. I'm like, I can't. It's on the Switch. Yep, really. Like, you could buy a PlayStation. I'm like, I can't. It's like $300. I'm poor. <laughs> uh, no, I feel that. I, man, I want to buy so many more fucking systems, but I can't. I can't. I can't beat all the games on my Switch, so I definitely can't justify buying a PlayStation or an Xbox, <clears throat> which is disappointing because I missed that Spider-Man game for the PlayStation so freaking much. Dude, yeah, I keep hearing just all the best things in the world about it, and I haven't played it either. It is so much fun. Man, I just want to be Spidey. You are. You are Spidey, and it's the first time that they did a Spidey game that had like good story and good like gameplay. Traditionally in Spider-Man games, you get one or the other, and it's mostly the second one. Yeah, I, I still can. I mean, obviously this game now exists. So up until the existence of this new Spider-Man game, uh, I always contended that the best Spider-Man game was oh I can't even remember the name of the level, but there was a 007 game. I think it was Nightfire, not one of the good ones. <laughs> But one of the gadgets you had was a grappling hook built into your watch. And on one of the multiplayer levels, almost every wall was grappable. So you could actually swing through the level. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, I would put Spider-Man up with Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Which is the first time that you feel like Batman in a Batman game. So it's the same thing here. Um, God, now I just want to... PlayStation so I can play it. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do we got here? So, <laughs> I know that we were both enjoying it. I haven't finished this first season yet, but the first season of DC Universe's Harley Quinn uh, just finished on the 21st of February. I finished it. I've seen... I'm caught up. Brave. That is, like, the best word I have for it. Not just like, oh, we've got a female lead, but we are making decisions that would not happen in literally any other... Batman cartoon I have ever seen. Second season is due out April 3rd. Yeah, I saw that. They are not wasting time. That has me super excited. That is really cool. I like not waiting that long between seasons. I still have to get caught up on this one, but I won't have to wait that long before I get even more, so... Yeah, and I mean, they're like 20 to 25 minute episodes, so it is luckily not hard to catch up. If you get a chance to watch it, I mean, you already have, obviously, but... If other people get a chance to watch it, highly recommend it. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe has clarified that he is not playing Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You told me that was a rumor at one point. 
Oh my god, I saw the trailer for the weird Daniel Radcliffe movie where guns have been, like, I locked to his hands. Oh shit, never mind. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I want to see it so bad. And uh, between that really and, like, just seeing the range he has while playing that and the character from Dark Ages that I recommended, I would love to see him play a superhero. I mean, I think he would have made a pretty good Mark Spector. But uh, he's very hesitant to commit to any franchise these days. I don't blame him. He grew up doing Harry Potter. Like, uh, I would also love to see him play a slightly more comedic hero, because I think he's got really good comedic timing. Who would you cast Daniel Radcliffe as? I would do a Union Jack series. Okay. But with a humorous edge. That could lead to a spinoff with Captain Britain or Excalibur, like actually lean into the like British superhero world in Marvel, because there's actually a really good collection of superheroes that don't get a whole light of a whole lot of time mm-hmm. because they're the British ones, and we're America, so we're very America obsessed. Like it's true, we want to watch all the heroes that are in New York City. Uh, so here's my idea for Daniel Radcliffe in a superhero movie or DC slash Marvel movie. Maybe not superhero ish. You'll get me. Uh, take back to early career Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. and cast him in books of magic. <laughs> Timothy you just Hunter. Play Harry Potter again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, man. Cast him uh, as Timothy Hunter. <laughs> Down to the White Owl. That's just mean. I just had to. I I'm had trying to, to think. I had to bring like, that up. What other character I would do with him because he's strong enough that he could really hold his own. Yeah, I probably wouldn't movie. actually do that. I just had to bring it. No, up. No, that's funny. That'd be great. Yeah, I have no idea who I would. That's a tough one, especially because it's hard for me to not think of him as Harry Potter. Yeah, I just keep thinking. I've of... seen him in other things. It's hard for me to not think of him as Harry Potter. I keep thinking of these like C or D list heroes, ones that. Even today, we're not likely to see a movie about... Kite Man. Kite Man. Hell yeah. I would absolutely watch Daniel Radcliffe play Kite Man. That's my answer now. Congratulations. Kite Man. Oh, uh, man. In Harley Quinn, he is the definition of confident, mediocre white man. <laughs> this one hasn't been confirmed yet, but I want to bring it up because I think it's something really fun to think about. We mentioned a few weeks ago that Greg Berlanti is going to be doing a Little Shop of Horrors. He's apparently trying to get Chris Chris Evans to be the dentist. I could absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much just the costume that he wore in uh, Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. but with like a scrub shirt instead, and you're set. Uh, yeah, I'm so down. Oh, I hope it happens. Like, my fingers funny. are crossed. I wanted to bring it up just because it makes me so happy to, bring, <laughs> to think about it. Like, and I trust, I mean, Berlanti keeps putting out mm, good work. Yeah, he's not the world's most brilliant creator, but he is consistent, solid, enjoyable content. And those, I kind of think, are the creators to watch a lot more because they're less likely to crash and burn in some big weird way they just you know john favreau is another great example not my favorite creator we'll always watch a john favreau movie pretty much all right and so i got the the two biggest news items of the past week that we're talking about today yeah uh this first one i think you'll know possibly a little bit more than me about or it's at least its implications maybe not but i don't know uh dan didio Oh, yeah, Dan, Dan DiDio was fired from DC Comic Books. I haven't read as much about it. I know that you sent me a link that I didn't... I, 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 I followed through. bits of it. Dan DiDio has been one of the co-publishers, publisher or co-publisher with Jim Lee, since 2010. He is absolutely... Of DC Comics. Sorry, I did not say mm-hmm. that part. He is one of the most important people in the comic book industry. He is also an extremely divisive character in the comic book industry. Um, any he, he really closely tied DC Comics to his name. Like, he did all of their announcements. He was a very controlling publisher. Some people had some very big disagreements with him. Uh, so, like, a lot of good stuff happened under his run. A lot of bad stuff happened under his run. I say bad stuff. I mean, like, bad stories. Not, mm-hmm. like holy yeah. shit real life bad, bad stuff yeah. yeah 
abruptly fired. Like, he came into work, did not know his job was in danger, was brought into the office, but and Warner Brothers executives were like, you are gone now, goodbye. And, like, I believe escorted him out of the office. It was really abrupt. One of the reasons that this brings up a lot of attention is um, DC Comics is about to launch, or is rumored to be about to launch, their new initiative, their new, like, line-wide, here's the story we're telling mm-hmm. for the next couple years, called Five Generations? Generation Five? Something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, okay. And the basic idea of it is a lot of these characters will be aged up to a much more accurate age of how old they would be. So, like, Batman, Superman, The Flash are elderly men now and like actual retirement age and they were going to bring in like Lucius Fox who was Batwing as the new Batman uh Superman's kid that they've had for the last couple years was going to be aged up a little bit and was going to be a new Superman like they were going to replace most of their major characters I don't super feel it Marvel did it a few years ago there was some the all new all different yeah it's when Jane Foster took over as Thor. Sam Wilson took over as Cap. Uh, uh, Robbie Reyes. Ghost Robbie Rider. Reyes around that time. Uh, Iron Man was split to Doctor Doom was running around as Iron Man for a while. And Riri Williams is running as Iron Heart. It is not my favorite era of storytelling. But, it was, but some really good stories came out of it. It wasn't a huge sales success. It was really unnerving to have all of these replacement characters pop in at the same time. Mm -hmm. DC is kind of doing like a story to lead up to it, which might make it a little less jarring to suddenly have all of your Avengers be remake, not remake characters, but legacy characters. Yeah. And again, Sam did a perfectly fine Captain America. Jane Foster was amazing as Thor. Ironheart is a super fascinating character. I don't have much good to say of Doctor Doom as Iron Man, but that's fine. <laughs> like three out of four was good, right? That, uh, but it wasn't a huge sales success, and it just was so abrupt it was disconcerting. So I don't have a lot of confidence of DC being like, "Well, we'll do that this time." Yeah, here's our whole new generation. But at the same time, who knows? Like. I'm not saying it's not automatically a bad idea. Uh, it's just not one that I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to read every fucking issue of this. That are the, I guess I haven't thought that hard about it, but... Kind of the question now is, though, is, is it still even going to happen? Right. Well, well and I, what you were just talking about, though, made me think, like, how many of the Marvel characters are already in some form legacy characters compared to dc i feel like dc has a lot more like originals that it's even more jarring to pass it on um i mean i don't know we've we had both the flash and green lantern replaced in the 90s and it worked perfectly Mm -hmm. fine dick grayson has spent times as batman uh and i guess that's right yeah there you know there have been like five flashes at this point and especially with like Old school Flash and Green Lantern, and then like Silver Age Flash and Green Lantern, and then like Modern Age. There's a few of the characters that were legacy and like history is a little more built into DC than I think it is Marvel. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know. Like I said, I just hadn't really thought about it until he started mentioning it. It was like, so abrupt many? that I don't know how I felt about. It. I don't know how I feel about it. I also have not been reading any DC books lately, so try something new. Bring it on. It can't hurt to be brave. I mean, it can, but, like, generally doesn't hurt. A big thing that's coming out of this is a rumor that if 5G fails, they'll shut down... Warner Brothers will shut down DC's comic arm. Uh, and I have seen this rumor screamed across the internet. I don't super believe it. And a website that is generally pretty accurate, uh, Bleeding Cool, which there's some debate to be had about their editor-in-chief. He is a divisive... Mm-hmm. person in the comics world but his reporting tends to be good and he pointed out that anytime there's a big event thing dc metal infinite crisis final crisis the new 52 dc rebirth everyone's always like if this fails dc will die and he's like i'm hearing this rumor again but i hear this rumor every couple of years so i'm not super worried about mm-hmm. it if nothing else the comic book in or arm of this is a super cheap idea maker machine yeah. Which pretty much justifies, especially with superhero movies being so big, both Marvel and DC to be kept open ad infinity. 
even if they're only like mostly breaking even, the fucking Avengers movie made two billion dollars. Who cares? Like mm-hmm. a tenth of that, not even a tenth of that, like a thousandth of that will basically cover DC's or Marvel's overhead for a year. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's it's too profitable to keep them open just to keep employing those creators yeah, and getting the stories. So rumor is this could lead to the shutdown of DC. I don't believe it. I will be eating crow if I am wrong and I would be so pissed, but like they would get so much bad press for it too, that I just don't see it happening. But to, Oh, sorry. You looked like you were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I know that they are doing, uh, just cause you very briefly mentioned, uh, metal. They're doing death metal coming up and that will have me buying a DC book again. Which looks so. sweet. Yeah. Death metal looks awesome. I'm going to wait for the trade because I can't mm-hmm. afford to collect weekly weeklies <laughs> anymore. Oh, but to get back to original Dan Didio getting fired, I will say Didio was, he wrote some really fun books. He wrote OMAC, which was probably my favorite book from the New 52 launch. Of course, it only lasted like six issues, but still. Um, But a few years back, they did this big, uh, they called it DCU. It was one of their next initiatives. It failed spectacularly, but had some great books from it. Uh, Secret Six, Midnighter, Grayson came from that era. And Didio hated it and was like, no, go back to meat and potatoes comics. We need, you know, classic Superman, classic Batman. The 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 same stuff that DC's been making ad infinitum. Yeah. And I was less excited about that because if we're going to survive as an industry, not we, I'm not part of it. If they're going to survive as an industry, you need to bring in new viewers. And the books that got canceled were the books that were more likely to honestly bring in people of color bring in women bring in younger people bring in something other than the same old white guys that have buying comic books since the 90s or the 80s mm-hmm. or whatever uh but i even his detractors gail simone he fought with all the time she's an amazing comic book writer she was very much like we disagreed but we never disliked each other that he was apparently a consummate professional to work with mostly I've, i know some people who don't like him that he clearly cared about comic books and that like, you know, not that he was like a piece of shit, but Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm disappointed to see him go, but I'm really curious. I'm not sure if I'm excited yet. I'm curious to see what will happen next. Well, when, if the news first dropped, I saw some rumors tagging the fact that, Snyder might have had something to do with it, but he also put out a tweet that was sort of the same thing that Simone said. Like, you know, we had our fights, but like... Rumor is on that because Snyder was fighting really hard to keep Death Metal separate from 5G, and Diddy was like, we'll use Death Metal to launch 5G, and Snyder's like, nope, nope, we're not doing that, not interested. <laughs> and Snyder has a lot of pulse, so it could have been like, oh, we gotta go with Snyder's, what Snyder says. Snyder's earned a lot of pulse. Oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just, I, I could, just want to put that out there. I like, could see some oof. executives being like, oh, well, he doesn't get along with Snyder, and Snyder's the cash cow, so it's time for him to go. Um, I do hear that he had a, he was somewhat difficult as an editor or publisher. He was really, like, J. Jonah Jameson style, like, sticking mm. his, his nose into places that the publisher does not really need to be sticking their nose into. Yeah, if nothing else, I don't think he deserved to be fired the way that he was. Maybe a bombshell will come out, like, the day after this episode comes out, and I'll be like, ooh, shit. Oh, no uh, wonder. <laughs> but as it is, yeah, I agree. That all seemed like... It was disrespectful. If you were going to get rid of him, fine. That happens. But the man deserved better than, like, hey, how was, how was your weekend? Good to see you. You're fired. Get out. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty shitty. Uh, to keep it in on DC, and to finish off the news I have... We have our first images at a more full bat suit. We should definitely say these are like not professional photos. These are on set photos. On set photos. On set photos almost always look like garbage. Not only that, on set photos on a stunt man, not on Pattinson himself. Yeah. And a helmet that a lot of people are currently theorizing is probably only for wide shots based on how big parts of it get. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, this costume does not look great in these pictures. 
It. I don't think it looks terrible. I think it's one of those things that, like, you need to see it right or it's going to look doofy as hell. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting bat suits to see in motion. I can see fighting in this suit better than most other bat suits that we've seen. The only bat suits... Either the bat suits look like traditional comic book good, or they look like good to move in, but they don't super look Batman-y in a way that I like. So try new things. Like, I, I like Batman to be able to move his head, but the motorcycle helmet style that they went with for Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises never looked right to me. It looked like an owl to me. It, it looked like a motorcycle helmet, and like, I love motorcycles, and I will always, always wear a helmet, kids. Always. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they necessarily look cool. <laughs> like, especially when you're not on the motorcycle. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm still looking at the suit right here in front of me. That helmet looks straight out of Gotham by Gaslight. Is Yeah, it's got goggles, which or like eye protectors, which I don't think is a bad idea at all if you're going to do a more realistic Batman look. Uh, there's no cape on it. I'm wondering if the cape is going to be CGI'd or if it's just... So the other thing, there's rumors that there's going to be multiple suits in this one and that and that this is the early one because this is supposed to be like earlier years batman i thought it was like kind of another year one attempt not Mm -hmm. like that story directly but that same vein is early resist batman origin stories and i mean why else would you get robert pattinson yeah you do want you're going for a younger batman with robert pattinson like well they did older batman with affleck and uh, he was fine he was fine but like he didn't light the world on fire like they were hoping for, which was not Affleck's fault. But um, parts of it look Snyder Capullo. Snyder Capullo is the most popular Batman team in the last, God, probably since Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. So, yeah, that does not surprise me. Um, I think for me the most interesting part are those gauntlets, man. Or. The forearm things. Yeah, uh, look it up if you, you know, instead of just listening to us talk about it, he's got these very bulky, they almost look Mandalorian to me. Like, Well, you know what they look gauntlets. like. What are they? They look like Talon gauntlets. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Are we getting Court of Owls? <laughs> um, I would not be <laughs> surprised. That's exactly the kind of, like, macabre Batman shit that could actually work pretty well in a movie if you do it right. Is that why they've been casting all these different villains? Is because he's tracking down, trying to figure out what's going on, and it's actually Court of Owls behind it all? That could be interesting. I mean, as you said, Snyder Capullo vibe, it is really what they are best known for. It is probably the strongest addition they've brought into the Bat universe. Mm -hmm. Like, the thing that loves staying power past them. Uh, you mentioned the sort of goggly type eyes on this current, what we're looking at here. There are currently some rumors and I don't know how I feel about them. I kind of just want to see it. Um, that one of the more final versions of the suit will have the whiteout eyes. It's either going to be good or it's going to be super distracting. Yeah. Like that is I'm hoping it's not distracting. I'm hoping it ends up being more like... Uh, when we finally saw, uh, when we finally saw Deadpool have correct eyes. Cause yeah, Deadpool did it perfectly and it is the ultimate in comic books. I hate seeing the pupils if they're wearing a mask. It always looks wrong mm-hmm. with the exception of like the flash where his mask doesn't go up to the eyes. So you like see more. Of his yeah. Face it cuts off like, just a little bit. Yeah. So you see more of the skin and stuff. It looks more right there, but Anything else, they'll like show Robin and you'll be able to see his eyes around the domino mask and it just looks wrong for some reason. And honestly, we have Lee Falk's The Phantom to thank for that because that was the first comic to do mm. that. That's why The Phantom is like important historically. Oh, The Phantom's fun. Also, he's just ranks back to the 30s and was used as part of the reason. Lots of reason The Phantom's important. We will talk about that a different day. Yes. That's it. I, I kind of, like I said, I want to see it in action because I think that suit will look good in a fight. I Yeah, I want to see photos that show their vision, not a set photo of a... that That's like seeing a 
third or a fifth of a piece of art and being like, that's bad. It's it's part of the whole, man. Like, show me the whole. Or at Correct least, like, lighting on it. Yeah. Before you show me the, like, before I really pass judgment. Because all this stuff that looks good when you look at these other movies don't look good in normal lighting. Or at least don't look the same way that they do when you're looking at it on screen. Yeah, it's it's a lot less effective. Kind of silly. You want to see how silly it looks? Watch, like, The Tick. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty you, accurate. Because they you just pretty normal style. Like, and, oh man, there's this amazing video that shows superhero, like, power use, but before they put in the special effects. Oh, Jesus. So it's like Grant Gustin spinning his hands and like a lot of finger wiggling, like looking really intently and going. (sighs) It is, or you know, fucking Hulk guy, um, blanking name, Uh, Ruffalo. Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, being like with like a big like three D thing showing (laughs) where the Hulk's going to be and like it's just. I almost said Ferrigno, but. Kevin Smith tells a really fun story about directing on The Flash and, like, I can't remember what they call it, like a zoop, zwoop, something like that, mm-hmm. of when The Flash speeds into a room and <laughs> speeds out and how disappointing it was to actually be on set and him just do, like, this little movement and then there's somebody, like, off to the side of the stage with, like, an air cannon that just blasts everybody and then that's it. Like, Grant just, like, walks <laughs> off. <laughs> Reserve judgment on this suit until we are closer. That's it. That's that's all I got. Um, that's it for news. Cool. Uh, do we have any recommendations for this week? Uh, or, yeah. Or stuff you've been watching. Either one. We don't really need both, but either one. I'll go with a recommendation. Um, just because uh, I haven't read Gotham by Gaslight, but whenever I see it, it reminds me of a different alternate Batman that I have read and do like and so I want to recommend uh, The Doom That Came to Sarnath. I was literally just looking Or at... The Doom That Came to Gotham. Doom, Doom That Came to Sarnath is the Lovecraft story. I was looking at that in your pile of comics before we started recording. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame doing Batman in a Lovecraft story basically. Is that Brian Augustine as well or... Uh... Oh. Let me just grab it and I'll tell you. That is unusual. Usually we see <laughs> Mike Mignola, Richard Pace, Troy Nixie, Dennis Jenke, and David Stewart worked on it. Mignola did really great things in that Elseworlds run, so yeah. If you enjoy Hellboy, literally anything Mignola makes, you'll probably have a fun time with. And my particular trait of it in the beginning lists Batman as being created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Damn right. That looks like a pretty new publication, like mm-hmm. a new printing. So uh, I think it's—I think they're just allowed to do that now. Like there was a uh, time limit on the contract with Bob Kane, and now they're able to like not have to lie legally. Nice, but it makes me happy every time. So yes, um, but it's—I uh, mean, we've mentioned um, the shadow. It's very pulpy because Lovecraft was same era as a lot of the pulps was submitting to pulp publications although his was more the weird tales sections mm-hmm. um and they do a good job of capturing that uh early horror vibe Mignola. lovecraftian mignola vibe. loves lovecraft, lovecraft. Like yeah dude the ogdru jihad are just elder gods uh and the the conan stories that he adapted because he adapted one of them for when dark horse had conan He adapted an unfinished tale, but it was a very much like Robert E. Howard is channeling some of the Lovecraft creepiness Mm -hmm. in that one. It's like a frog demon, I think. I don't remember. I haven't read it in a long time, but it's good. I also really like just his art style. Yeah. He is a very unique artist, and I always appreciate that. So yeah, if you want to see Batman drawn like Hellboy in a Lovecraft story, Doom That Came to Gotham. Excellent. There you go. Uh, let's see, I've got two for you today. One I mentioned earlier, which is The Adventures of Barry Ween, Boy Genius. It is by Judd Winnick, written and illustrated. This is from, God, it's got to be the early 2000s, maybe the late 90s. 
It is described as Dexter's Lab meets South Park, but I think it's actually a lot more clever than that as someone who doesn't really care for South Park. But it is about... It's described as a boy genius, but if they actually acted like what a 12-year-old boy acts like. Oh, okay. So, like, there's poop jokes, there's boob jokes everywhere. More his, like, kind of idiot but nice guy who grounds him best friend. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's a boy genius that is just eternally pissed off about this fact because he's so brilliant that he can't stop himself, but he's super aware that, like, he can't tell his parents and he can barely connect to humans his own age, let alone... Or he can barely connect to adults, let alone humans his own age, because he's so much smarter than him, them that he can't deal with it. And then his, like, idiot best friend that's obsessed with, like, tits and farts and does not give a fuck that he's a genius other than being like, hey, can you do this thing? <laughs> That'd be cool. Can you invent this for us? Yeah, but, like, doesn't use him for it. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a very good very dirty story. So I I really recommend it. But I do give the content warning that if you don't find any kind of like tits humor or fart humor funny, you're not going to enjoy Barry Wayne. It's okay. Uh, And then the other one is a little more in line with what you're going with. I am going to go with the Kevin Smith, Phil Hester, and Jonathan Lau Green Hornet series. Oh, okay. Uh, It is a series that Dynamite put out, I think when I was in college. It's probably... 10 years old now which ages me horribly um i feel like a bad kevin smith fan having to ask this but that's the one that was based off of his green hornet script yes that never got made in the 90s a script for green hornet and then asked to be let go from the project because he just didn't think it was very good and wasn't sure how to direct it and the project died when he got let go from it and then dynamite was like hey could we make a comic of this script and they're like yeah but you can't pay kevin smith for it because we've already paid him (laughs) and he's like that's absolutely fair and was bragging for a while that like he's basically now the best paid comic book creator of all time because they paid him oh an absurd amount of money for they paid him like comic book movie money or at least you know big action movie money script writing fees and it only ever came out as a comic book and then they hired Phil Hester to adapt it to the comic book. And Jonathan Lau, who is, I believe, a Korean artist, to uh, to illustrate it. Okay. It is very good. It definitely has some of that, like, 90s Kevin Smith, let's make a joke about eating vagina mm-hmm. uh, humor to it. But it is a very, like, faithful and loving adaptation of the green hornet as a character who is my favorite pulp character i love the green hornet not the most recent green hornet movie but otherwise so to add on top of him possibly being the best paid comic book writer of all time due to the way that all worked out Uh interesting little tidbit from this last year 2019 the year that avengers endgame broke box office records however I think this held out through the end of the year, but at least through the mid-December 2019, uh, due to the way that Kevin Smith toured and rolled out uh, Jan Silent Bob reboot on so few screens, and the tickets for the screenings, because there'd be Q&As and all Mm. that fun stuff afterwards as part of four-walling it, as they used to call it, it made the most money per screen of any movie last year. Per screen. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Didn't make the most money that movie, but that's, you know, good for him. I I don't always like Kevin Smith's movies. I don't always like his choices. I really, really like Kevin Smith. He is such a good ambassador to the comic book world. He seems like such a genuinely good human. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember his response to when the Weinstein thing first came out was excellent. He was like, I did not know. I, you know, I, my, thanks to my privilege of being a young white male, Weinstein was nothing but nice to me. So I, there are years of me talking about what a great Weinstein guy, what, what a yeah. great guy Weinstein is. And then I found out this and it's horrifying and I will never accept Weinstein money again. Uh, like that is, that is what you should do when you find out, you know, that someone that you like turns out to be a shitty person. 
Um, all of his uh, royalties from uh, Weinstein and uh, older Miramax from when they owned mm -hmm. it and stuff. All of those now go towards uh, different charities for helping uh, survivors of sexual assault. And, and even when those stop making money, he's going to be contributing portions of his own income. Yep. To, uh, to continually. For Seems the rest to of have his raised life. his daughter very well. And even though his early attempts were clunky, he was one of the creators that was very, like, openly trying to put gay and queer characters into his movies. Mm -hmm. Didn't always land. Lots of Kevin Smith stuff doesn't always land. Like, that's okay. So he's always tried for representation. He's always tried for... Always tried to be a good person. Even yeah, when even he's kind when, of an asshole. Even when it doesn't land, it was coming from a good place. His brother's gay. Yeah, and he wanted to mm -hmm. include that. But, you know, it also didn't always work, partly because he did a lot of fart and tits humor, so it kind mm -hmm. of fell into stereotypes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And just... Chasing Amy came from a good place, but didn't land right. Um, which he or didn't age well. Let's didn't put it that age way. well. Um, which he even kind of addresses in reboot. Yeah. So, like as I said, he just is a good guy. I am glad to see him do good things. Agreed. You know that I agree with that. I yeah, I just <laughs> I Kevin Smith guy. <laughs> fills me with happiness. Like that's kind of what it is. Even when he was making dumb movies, I didn't want to watch. You know. Tusk, which I'm looking at your poster of Tusk. So, Love. talking to a different audience here. Hashtag uh, walrus, yes. I was like, well, I have no interest in this and I think it's dumb as hell, but you know what? I don't have to like everything. But do you know what? You should re watch Red State. I have heard that Red State is legitimately awesome. Everyone should watch Red State. That's my other... Here's Yay! my... I have a second recommendation. Watch Red State because uh, Michael Parks gives one of the finest performances ever on film that I've ever seen and I watch a shit ton of movies now like it blows me away it is better than Heath Ledger's Joker since that's so often held up as a high point of acting like yeah um he plays uh a character by the name of uh Aben Cooper who is a more extreme version of Fred Phelps of the Westboro Baptist Church which is fucked up Fred Phelps is pretty extreme. And... Was pretty extreme. Just disappears in the character. It's not Michael Parks when he's on screen, it's Abe and Cooper. Oof. Oof. And it's just jaw-dropping. And the movie... You can't ever guess where that movie is going to go. I can set up this... I mean, it's about these kids that are trying to get laid off of a Craigslist-type website and get abducted by a stand-in for the Westboro Baptist Church. And then from there it goes off the fucking rails. So. You know, because it started from such a place of sanity. <laughs> um, cool. Mm -hmm. Alright, those are some good recommendations. We were talking about this before the episode, but I need to go back and like listen to our previous recommendations and write them down because we're increasingly being like, did I do did, this one? Did I already yeah. talk about this? So eventually, we are going to give you a recommendation twice, and that just means that we like that movie or show or whatever. Absolutely. I, I, are we good? Did I we did we good. do this? Think, yeah. For a news brief, then I'm pretty sure we've been talking for over an hour now. But barely, just barely at over an hour. <laughs> when I edit this, we're going to be right under an hour right Perfect. now. Perfect. Okay. But. Uh, that's our stuff. Uh, you stuff you can do is you can subscribe to us. You can, yep, that was a stretch of a segue, but we did it. Uh, you can subscribe to any of our things. You can, uh, subscribe to our other podcasts on the Irvern Network, The Art of Wargaming and Fried Squirms. You can follow us on social media. You can leave us reviews, as we always say. Five-star reviews are supposed to bump us up so more people see us, but honestly, just reviews and feedback alone is Interact super appreciated. With us. It makes me so happy when someone talks to me about like, oh, I was listening to this podcast you did, or like messages us. Mm -hmm. it, it, uh, we talk about it in The Art of Wargaming. It's just, we are making, we are attempting to make art to make ourselves sound fancy. And I will make oh, better, so I will make better art if I get critique. I just want to hear from you. Also, I just want to hear from you. I just want to be like, yeah, guess what? I uh, fan fucking... Yeah, they noticed us. They love me. You all love me. <laughs> um, 
Kate yeah, John hit, yeah. Uh, like you said, hit subscribe. You can find all of it. Uh, earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com, or generalnerdcast.com for specifically more our shit. Either way, you can follow the links through all there. Contact us through the website. All that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all we got. Cool. Dismissed. Hey everybody, General Tyler here. I just wanted to make a quick correction of myself since this is such a fucking short episode anyway. Kevin Smith's residuals actually go to Women in Films, a nonprofit that helps women in the film industry. Uh, I wanted to make that clarification and just actually name the place in case anyone wanted to be like, oh, what's the name of a nonprofit I could donate to to help women in the film industry? Women in Films? Oh, I heard that's good. Kevin Smith donates money there. Well, there you go. Oh, and I also accidentally made it sound like Mike Mignola did all the artwork for Doom That Came to Gotham. Uh, He just does the covers and wrote it. All the other names that I named do the rest of the various parts of the artwork. So, have a good one, guys. Peace.